0: How y'all doing that so I'd like, you thank y'all for stopping by for another episode of this removing the illusion pie talk here man let me tell you and tonight before we get started y'all always know I can like tell y'all what I'm smoking on and tonight I'm smoking on the Aladino Corojo Robusto this is a little small stick here probably about a 5 by 50 now let me tell y'all folks what these folks say then I'm gonna tell y'all what I think about this little stick here now they say the strength of this thing is full the rapper is Honduran Corojo Finer filler is Honduras. The color they say is Colorado, but look kind of brown to me. When I think of Colorado, I think of white, snow, skin, and all that kind of stuff like that. Now, they say the grade is hand rolled, long filler. The blender, Julio R. Eru. manufactured Eru Tobacco Farm, Country of Origin, Honduras. This is a true classic old-fashioned cigar. The Julio R. Eru, Aladino embodies every word of that phrase. This cigar is pure authentic Corojo grown in the Ero Tobacco Farm in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. These cigars are medium strength and represent the golden air of cigars in Cuba from 1947 to 1961. Let me tell you, this is a pretty good little stick here. And now, now, y'all notice in all the words what these folks just say, they don't get off into all that cedar and oak and pine and all that kind of stuff like that. They just say that this thing is a medium strength cigar, and it's a good cigar, and it has, and it's from the Cuban seed, the Corojo. Now, I really don't know what that Corojo seed is, but I'll do some research on that tell y'all about that. But from my opinion, it is a good, smooth stick. And I wanted something to smoke, you know, that maybe take like an hour or something like that on, because I went down to Orlando and I wanted to have me a little smoke on the way down there, but I didn't want to smoke any, smoke a big cigar, you know, price point, you know, anywhere from ten dollars on up. This cigar, for the size and for the flavor, at six dollars, was a good price point, and it took me it took me around about an hour smoking. Really good stick. I highly recommend. I haven't had a bad Aladino yet. First time I had an Aladino was down there in Florida. I mean, down at uh, Corona it was the first time that I had one. And uh, I got hooked on Aladino's ever since. I sure like these sticks here. But tonight here, got a little subject i want to talk to y'all about. Something that, man, I've been thinking about this little subject for a long time. But I think it's been like a lies in back of my head. And it did come out uh, the other day. I was talking to a friend of mine that we was talking about. Uh, The curriculum in these schools these days, you know, with these kids going back to school. Well, some going back to school and some are going to be working from home. So we're talking about the uh, the online curriculum that they're putting together for these schools. And some of the systems, you know, it's like that you would think that it would be a unified, agreed upon system or curricula or the way to take those curriculum online. It would be a unified way with the public school systems. But it seem like it's not. It seem like every school district is doing their own thing. See, like every different, every school district has their own uh, program or their own um, uh, 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 web developer or whatever they want to go with. Like some people are using Google Chrome Cast, and some people's using something else. Now, my thinking is that you know everybody's doing their own thing because everybody has their own budget. But most of all, it's all about that funding. See, whatever you do, you always got to follow the money. You know, when these when these folks come up with these plans to do things, they don't get together in the best interest of the child, of the kids collectively. For instance, I guess what I'm saying in in a roundabout way is this: If you're going to put a curriculum or you're going to put a system in place so you can teach kids online, seem like it would be a unified system. You know, you have. Uh, the Department of Public Education who's supposed to be the umbrella over all these education systems, but that's at a federal level. You have the Board of Education, you know, at your state levels, too. Now, it seemed like they would get together at the state level and decide, okay, for instance, we have this new uh, program that these kids, nah, not a new program, but for instance, the kids that's been homeschooling for years. You know, there's a program already in place for kids that's been homeschooling for years, right online, curriculum and everything. And when these homeschooled kids go to take the SEC tests or whatever they call them tests to get into college, they actually do pretty good. But yet now with this virus thing popping up now and people have to rethink that the way, you know, that we're going to teach these kids and do it online, everybody is pretty much willy nilly doing their own thing. It seemed like the Department of Education, you know, from a federal standpoint and from a state standpoint, also from a local standpoint or a county standpoint, everybody's pretty much doing their own thing because everybody has to account for their money. Everybody has to get their dollar. Now, I'm not going to get too far in this thing right now because I want to come back on the flip side and talk to y'all about some things. But this whole thing, what I'm talking about right now is, is called pork barrel. I got to thinking about this thing because I remember as a little boy in Louisiana uh, it had this big uh, battery. It had this big battery facilities down in Louisiana and you know, producing all these batteries like door cells stuff like that. But in fact, there wasn't a battery facility in Louisiana. But a whole lot of money was being earmarked in Pork Barrel for this battery facility in uh, Louisiana. So it just made me think about Pork Barrel and how actually how the money is spent you know we think you know we think about a lot of these government programs that we hear about but a lot of times when these senators and these congressmen and they vote they vote on things and we, we hear about these deadlocks these deadlocks in the house on on passing a bill through all this has to do with pork barrel all these earmarks has to do with pork barrel and what I'm seeing with these school districts today is a lot of this thing has to do with pork barrel. It has to do with physical spending. It has to to do with, you know, uh, putting butts in them seats or putting butts in front of computers. Specialized programs developed by that school system or that school district, however that stuff they go. But right now, what I want y'all to do is I want y'all to sit back. We're going to take a look at pork barrel politics. I also call it pork barrel spinning too. And you guys are going to be really, really amazed by some of this information. So while y'all sit back and take a listen, this thing going to be pretty long. My commentary on the back end probably not going to be too long because I'm probably going to be taking up a whole lot enough of y'all time already. So while y'all listen to this, I'm going to kick back and think about this Aladino. Man, Robusto, this is a really good stick. I'm going to catch up with y'all on the other side now, okay? All right now.
1: Let's take a look at pork barrel politics. Pork barrel is a metaphor for the appropriation of government spending for localized projects secured solely or primarily to bring money to a representative's district. The usage originated in American English. Scholars use it as a technical term regarding legislative control of local appropriations. In election campaigns, the term is used in derogatory fashion to attack opponents. One of the most explicit definitions of the pork barrel is given by Sharma. In 2017 the term pork-barrel politics refers to instances in which ruling parties channel public money to particular constituencies based on political considerations, at the expense of broader public interests. Typically, pork involves funding for government programs whose economic or service benefits are concentrated in a particular area but whose costs are spread among all taxpayers. Public works projects, certain national defense spending projects, and agricultural subsidies are the most commonly cited examples. There are seven criteria by which spending can be classified as pork. Requested by only one chamber of Congress. Not specifically authorized. Not competitively awarded. Not requested by the President. Greatly exceeds the President's budget request or the previous year's funding. Not the subject of Congressional hearings. Serves only a local or special interest. History and Etymology. The term pork-barrel politics usually refers to spending which is intended to benefit constituents of a politician in return for their political support, either in the form of campaign contributions or votes. In the popular 1863 story The Children of the Public, Edward Everett Hale used the term pork-barrel as a homely metaphor for any form of public spending to the citizenry. However, after the American Civil War, the term came to be used in a derogatory sense. The Oxford English Dictionary dates the modern sense of the term from 1873. Pork barrel originally came from storing meat 9 by the 1870s, references to pork were common in Congress, and the term was further popularized by a 1919 article by Chester Collins Maxey in the National Municipal Review, which reported on certain legislative acts known to members of Congress as pork barrel bills. He claimed that the phrase originated in a pre-Civil War practice of giving slaves a barrel of salt pork as a reward and requiring them to compete among themselves to get their share of the handout. More generally, a barrel of salt pork was a common larder item in 19th-century households, and could be used as a measure of the family's financial well-being. For example, in his 1845 novel The Chain Bearer, James Fenimore Cooper wrote, I hold a family to be in a desperate way, when the mother can see the bottom of the pork barrel. Examples An early example of pork barrel politics in the United States was the bonus bill of 1817, Which was introduced by Democrat John C. Calhoun to construct highways linking the eastern and southern United States to its western frontier using the earnings bonus from the Second Bank of the United States. Calhoun argued for it using general welfare and post roads clauses of the United States Constitution. Although he approved of the economic development goal, President James Madison vetoed the bill as unconstitutional. One of the most famous alleged pork barrel projects was the Big Dig in Boston, Massachusetts. The Big Dig was a project to relocate an existing 3.5 mile, 5.6 kilometers section of the interstate highway system underground. The official planning phase started in 1982, the construction work was done between 1991 and 2006, and the project concluded on December 31, 2007. It ended up costing 14.6 billion US dollars, or over 4 billion US dollars per mile. Tip O'Neill, DMAS, after whom one of the Big Dig tunnels was named, Pushed to have the big dig funded by the federal government while he was the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. During the 2008 U.S. presidential campaign, the Gravina Island Bridge, also known as the Bridge to Nowhere, in Alaska was cited as an example of pork barrel spending. The bridge, pushed for by Republican Senator Ted Stevens, was projected to cost $398 million and would connect the island's 50 residents and the Ketchikan International Airport to Revilagajito Island and Ketchikan. Former Hawaii Senator Daniel Inouye described himself as the number one earmarks guy in the U.S. Congress. Inouye regularly passed earmarks for funding in the state of Hawaii including military and transportation spending. Pork barrel projects, which differ from earmarks, are added to the federal budget by members of the Appropriation Committees of United States Congress. This allows delivery of federal funds to the local district or state of the Appropriation Committee member, often accommodating major campaign contributors. To a certain extent, A member of Congress is judged by their ability to deliver funds to their constituents. The chairman and the ranking member of the U.S. Senate Committee on Appropriations are in a position to deliver significant benefits to their states. Researchers Anthony Fowler and Andrew B. Hall claim that this still does not account for the high re-election rates of incumbent representatives in American legislatures. The Madrid-Seville high-speed line was a noted example of pork-barrel politics in Spain. Pascual Maragall revealed details of an unwritten agreement between him and Felipe González, prime minister at the time who was from Seville. The agreement was that Barcelona would receive the 1992 Summer Olympics and Seville would receive the high-speed railway line, which opened in 1992. This was in spite of position of the Madrid-Barcelona high-speed rail line as Spain's most profitable high-speed line. Barcelona received its AVE connection in 2008, though with many advantages that the line to Seville does not have, e.g. full-speed bypasses Lav Madrid, Sevilla and Lav Madrid, Zaragoza, barcelona the decision to construct the line to Seville was only taken in 1986 and construction was rushed, so that the line would be ready for the Seville Expo 92. Use of the term outside the United States. In other countries, the practice is often called patronage, but this word does not always imply corrupt or undesirable conduct. Australia. Pork barrel is frequently used in Australian politics, where marginal seats are often accused of receiving more funding than safe seats or, in the case of the 2010 election in negotiations with key independents, as well as in the 2019 election. Central and Eastern Europe Romanians speak of pomeni electorala, literally, electoral alms, while the Polish Kilbasa wiborza means literally election sausage. In Serbian, padila kolika, cutting the cake, refers to post-electoral distribution of state-funded positions for the loyal members of the winning party. The Czech predvolovni gulas, pre-election gulash, has similar meaning, Referring to free dishes of goulash served to potential voters during election campaign meetings targeted at lower social classes, metaphorically, it stands for any populistic political decisions that are taken before the elections with the aim of obtaining more votes. The process of diverting budget funds in favor of a project in a particular constituency is called porkovani medveda, portioning of the bear, in Czech usage. India. In India, the term pork barrel politics has been employed to depict the pattern of distribution of discretionary grants by the national government see for example Biswas etal 2010, Rodden and Wilkinson 2004, Sharma, 2017. However, Sharma, 2017, is most explicit in drawing the parallel between the tactical distribution of grants in India and the notion of pork-barrel politics. Chunchal Kumar Sharma demonstrates that the incentives of the Prime Minister's Party under a coalition system create a universalization effect which means giving something to everyone. Thus, the states governed by non-affiliated parties do not suffer as much as in the dominant party era. In fact, a coalition party system limits opportunities to reward party loyalty, see Sharma 2017. Ireland. The term parish pump politics is more commonly used in Ireland although independent T.D. Shane Ross did refer to pork-barrel politics at a press conference for the independent alliance in the run-up to the 2016 general election, saying that the alliance was not interested in pork-barrel politics.26 Despite being appointed Minister for Transport, Tourism, and Sport in the 32nd Dale he went on to prioritize the reopening of a police station in his own constituency which was eventually delivered. On the eve of the election of New dauziak Vardukar in June 2017. German-speaking countries. The German language differentiates between campaign goodies, while Jeschenk, literally election gifts, to occur around election dates and parish-pump politics, literally church tower politics, for concentrating funding and reliefs to the home constituency of a politician. While the former is a technical term, neutral or slightly derogatory, the latter is always derogatory meaning that the scope of actions is limited to an area where the steeple of the politician's village can still be seen. In Switzerland the wording of provincial thinking, cantonlogist, literally cantonal mind, may cover these actions as well and it is understood as a synonym in Germany and Austria. Philippines Protest Against Pork Barrel Politics at the 2013 Million People March in Luneta In the Philippines, the term pork barrel is used to mean funds allocated to the members of the Philippine House of Representatives and the Philippine Senate to spend as they see fit without going through the normal budgetary process or through the executive branch. It can be used for both hard projects, such as buildings and roads, and soft projects, such as scholarships and medical expenses. The first pork barrel fund was introduced in 1922 with the passage of the first Public Works Act, Act number 3044. This pork-barrel system was technically stopped by President Ferdinand Marcos during his dictatorship by abolishing Congress. It was reintroduced to the system after the restoration of the Congress in 1987. The program has had different names over the years, including the Countryside Development Fund, Congressional Initiative Fund, and currently the Priority Development Assistance Fund citation needed since 2006, the PDAF was, 70.0 M for each representative and, 200.0 M for each senator. During the presidency of Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, PDAF became the biggest source of corruption among the legislators. Kickbacks were common and became syndicated using pre identified project implementers, including government agencies, contractors, and bogus non profit corporations, as well as the government's commission on audit. In August 2013, outrage over the 10 billion priority development assistance fund scam involving Janet Limnopolis and numerous senators and representatives led to widespread calls for abolition of the PDAF system. The so-called Million People March which occurred on August 26, 2013, National Heroes Day in the Philippines, called for the end of pork barrel and was joined by simultaneous protests nationwide and by the Filipino diaspora around the world. Petitioners have challenged the constitutionality of the PDAF before the High Court following reports of its widespread and systematic misuse by some members of Congress in cahoots with private individuals. Three incumbent senators and several former members of the House of Representatives have been named respondents in a plunder complaint filed with the Office of the Ombudsman in connection with the alleged $10 billion pork barrel scam. Public outrage over the anomaly has resulted in the largest protest gathering under the three year old Aquino administration. On November 19, 2013, the Supreme Court declared the controversial Priority Development Assistance Fund, PDAF, or more commonly known as the pork barrel, as unconstitutional. In a briefing, the High Court declared the PDAF article in 2013 General Appropriations Act and all similar provisions on the pork-barrel system as illegal because it allowed legislators to wield, in varying gradations, non-oversight, post-enactment authority in vital areas of budget executions, thus violating, the principle of separation of powers. Nordic countries. Similar expressions, meaning election meat, are used in Danish, valgflesk, Swedish, valflask, and Norwegian, valgflesk where they mean promises made before an election, often by a politician who has little intention of fulfilling them. The Finnish political jargon uses Siltarumpi culvert politics, in reference to national politicians concentrating on small local matters, such as construction of roads and other public works at politicians' home municipality. In Iceland, the term Kjorda refers to the practice of funneling public funds to key voting demographics in marginal constituencies. United Kingdom The term is rarely used in British English, although similar terms exist, election sweetener, tax sweetener, or just sweetener, which refers to the practice of a chancellor of the exchequer leaving room in their fiscal program to announce a big tax cut or spending boost in the budget immediately prior to an election, usually targeting a key voting demographic, such as the elderly, or benefiting marginal constituencies. The term pork barrel was, however, used in August 2013 by the Campaign for Better Transport in their criticism of Danny Alexander MP's involvement in securing funding for the A6 Manchester Airport Relief Road which passed through a marginal Liberal Democrat constituency. It was also used by Pete Wishart in the House of Commons on June 26, 2017 in reference to the deal between the Conservative Party and the Democratic Unionist Party to keep the former in power. In February 2019, it was used by Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell to criticise Theresa May's rumoured attempts to persuade Labour MPs to vote for her Brexit deal. Pork barrel spending. Let's take a quick view at the tur, the history of lipsticking pigs. A December 15, 2012, headline in the New York Post declared, "Obama Sandy Aid Bill Filled with Holiday Goodies Unrelated to Storm Damage." The announced purpose of the $60.4 billion bill was to provide disaster aid to East Coast individuals and communities devastated by Hurricane Sandy. Instead, the bill was so laden with unrelated and politically inspired handouts that the House of Representatives refused to pass it. Republican Daryl Issa declared of the bill that sprang from the Senate, they had the opportunity to have a $27 to $30 billion dollar legit relief package, packed it with pork, then dared us not to vote on it. Many of the handouts were directed to federal assets the bill allotted $2 million to repair the roof of the Smithsonian in D.C. and $336 million for Amtrak. Other money targeted private ventures, such as fisheries in Alaska. Such expenditures are called pork barrel spending, earmarks, or simply pork. These terms refer to the appropriation and redirection of government money toward projects in a representative's district, often to benefit his supporters. The pork is usually slipped into an unconnected bill as a line item. This allows it to bypass the standard review received by an independent, separate funding request. The watchdog group Citizens Against Government Waste declares, cases of out-and-out bribery are rare. But pork-barrel spending is a form of corruption, where tax dollars are dolled out on the basis of political favoritism and to advance the careers of Washington insiders. The corruption is exacerbated by a lack of transparency and by pressure from powerful lobbyists who represent special interests. The American public is generally disgusted by pork-barrel spending but some politicians defend the secretive splurging, calling it the American way. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, D.N.E.B., argues that pork spending has been common since we were a country. Is this true? The History of the American Pork Barrel The phrase pork barrel spending is said to derive from a practice of antebellum slaveholders, they would give a barrel of salt pork to their slaves, who scrambled and fought with each other for a share. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the term acquired its political meaning in the early 1870s. Webster's traces the American usage back to the turn of the 20th century. Advocates draw upon two clauses from Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution for Legitimacy. The first is called the General Welfare Clause. It states, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. Pork is said to provide for general welfare, and thus to be permitted by this clause. The second is the so-called Postal Clause. It authorizes Congress to establish post offices and post roads as a way to expedite interstate communication. This is now construed to give the federal government the power to appropriate money for public works. The expenses not covered by Section 8 were left to the states. The Tenth Amendment later clarified, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. Senator Reid is correct in that pork has been around since the first Congress. Up until the 1980s, however, it was not widespread, and it was often discouraged. Some founding fathers were uncomfortable even with the funding of postal roads. In a 1796 letter to James Madison, who is often called the father of the Constitution, Thomas Jefferson argued against the postal clause. Have you considered all the consequences of your proposition respecting post roads? I view it as a source of boundless patronage to the executive, jobbing to members of Congress and their friends, and a bottomless abyss of public money. You will begin by only appropriating the surplus of the post office revenues, but the other revenues will soon be called into their aid, and it will be a source of eternal scramble among the members, who can get the most money wasted in their state, and they will always get most who are meanest. The first Congress, 1790, authorized pork in the form of $1,500 to complete a lighthouse in Maine, which was then part of Massachusetts. The expenditure had the active support of President George Washington and of Representative George Thatcher of Massachusetts. On constitutional grounds, however, the same Congress rejected a bill to aid a glass manufacturer. Perhaps the second bill lacked presidential support. Contrary to Reed's suggestion, however, pork barrel spending did not become common practice. The second Congress solidly rejected a cod fishery bill intended to assist New Englanders. The South Carolina Representative Hugh Williamson argued that the Constitution had anticipated the time might come when, by greater cohesion, by more unanimity, by more address, the representatives of one part of the Union might attempt to impose unequal taxes or to relieve their constituents at the expense of the people. He pointed to constitutional provisions that clearly indicated Congress might not have the power to gratify one part of the Union by oppressing another. Moreover, Williamson claimed the bill would set a dangerous precedent, it would establish a breach into which it is not a few fishermen that will enter, claiming ten or $12,000, but all manner of persons, people of every trade and occupation, until they have eaten up the bread of our children. Subsequent presidents tended to agree with Williamson even when Congress did not. In 1817, President Madison vetoed an earmark aimed at funding a national system of roads and waterways because he did not believe the General Welfare Clause permitted it. He concluded that special interest issues like internal improvements inexorably corrupted the legislative process. The next president, James Monroe, vetoed a bill to construct a national road. Unlike Madison, he believed the Constitution empowered Congress to appropriate funds, but he argued for an explicit amendment covering internal improvements. Monroe wanted federal power confined to great national works only, since if it were unlimited it would be liable to abuse and might be productive of evil. Anything other than great national works were the responsibility of the individual states. From its earliest years, Congress has been torn between those who pursue pork and those who resist it. Until recently, the latter generally prevailed. Indeed, during his two terms, President Grover Cleveland was dubbed the veto president for using that power 584 times, he rejected hundreds of spending bills for which he found no constitutional authority. In 1887, after vetoing a disaster relief bill to assist drought-stricken farmers in Texas, he stated, The friendliness and charity of our countrymen can always be relied upon to relieve their fellow citizens in misfortune. Federal aid in such cases encourages the expectation of paternal care on the part of the government and weakens the sturdiness of our national character, while it prevents the indulgence among our people of that kindly sentiment and conduct which strengthens the bonds of a common brotherhood. The turning point on pork seems to have come in the 1980s during the Reagan years. Citizens Against Government Waste observes. Even as federal power vastly expanded during the 20th century, Congress did not earmark extensively until the 1980s. Instead, Congress would fund general grant programs and let federal and state agencies select individual recipients through a competitive process or formula. The House and Senate Appropriations Committees named specific projects only when they had been vetted and approved by authorizing committees. Members of Congress with local concerns would lobby the president and federal agencies for consideration. The process was aimed at preventing abuse and allocating resources on the basis of merit and need. When the procedure changed, the floodgates opened. In his book Funding Science in America, Congress, Universities, and the Politics of the Academic Pork Barrel, James D. Savage discusses just one form of pork, academic earmarks. He dates the first such earmark back to 1977, for Tufts University. According to Savage, federal earmarks per year for academic institutions then rose from 7 in 1980 to 499 in 1992. The Heritage Foundation offered a more general overview. Between FI fiscal year 1985 and FI 1999, the growth in annual earmarks increased substantially faster between 25 to 1,000 times faster in most cases than inflation-adjusted federal domestic discretionary spending. The number of earmarks in five of the 13 appropriations bills doubled between FI 1998 and FI 1999. The abuse of earmarks has increased with the popularity of the omnibus bill that is, a package of several appropriations bills merged into one. An omnibus bill typically patches together hundreds of last-minute compromises, insertions, and deletions. The resulting measure is so mammoth and rushed that members of Congress usually vote on it before reading it. Over the last decade, there have been several attempts to stop the growth of earmarks. But Pork continues, because its critics have focused on reform, not elimination. For example, the Anti-Pork Act of 2010 tried to require those seeking earmarks to submit a written statement averring that the earmark met specific requirements. In July 2010, the bill was referred to a House committee, where it remains. Even if effective anti-pork measures were to pass, many tactics could be used to bypass them. On June 8, 2007, McClatchy newspaper reported, as the House Appropriations Committee met last week to consider four massive spending bills, something was missing, congressional earmarks. The earmarks were missing because the Democrats had pledged to overhaul the pork system. McClatchy added, it would appear that the era of the earmark is over. Or maybe not. The maybe not referred to the announced intention of the House Interior Appropriations Subcommittee to attach earmarks when House Senate Conference Committees meet to hammer out the final versions of the bills. At that point, the final bill could not be amended but would receive only a yes or a no vote. This prospect prompted then, Minority House Leader John Boner to protest, what they've done is set up a system where you can't get at earmarks, you can't eliminate them. Efforts to reform pork are futile, and they give a misleading appearance of fiscal prudence. It was pork-barrel spending to which H. L. Mencken referred in stating, Government is a broker in pillage, and every election is a sort of advance auction sale of stolen goods. Giving politicians the power to grant patronage is an inherent evil and a guarantee of abuse. Jefferson was prophetic. Pork-barrel spending causes an eternal scramble among representatives to buy support in their home states. As Jefferson warned, they will always get most who are meanest. Now, let's take a look at 25 scandalous examples of government pork that will fry from bacon. If one thing is clear from Citizens Against Government Waste's new pig book, it's that Obama war on pork was a big clunker. The nonpartisan group counted $16.5 billion in congressional earmarks for FI 2010. Pork is down 10% from last year, but it's still above the historical average, and it's still not at the level that President Obama promised when he took office, which is $7.80 billion, said CAGW President Tom Schatz. There's still plenty of ridiculous, obnoxious pork. Here's our of the worst pork barrel spending. Hidden in, Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porker, Rep. Harold Rogers. Republican, Kentucky. From the pig book, $50,000 by House Appropriator Harold Rogers, Republican, Kentucky, for the Pulaski County Sheriff Department for Helicopter Improvements. Hidden in, Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Act. Porker, Rep. James Moran Democrat, Virginia From the pig book, $98,257 by House Appropriator James Moran, D.B.A., in S.B.A. money for the Georgetown Metro Connection, a bus service that runs from Georgetown in Washington, D.C. to the neighborhood of DuPont Circle in D.C. and to Rosslyn, Virginia, conveniently located in Rep. Moran's district. Hidden in, Legislative Branch Appropriations Act. Porkers, Sen. Charles Schumer Democrat, New York. From the Pig Book, $190,000 by Senator Charles Schumer, Dn.Y., for digitization of the New York Historical Society collection. According to the group's website, corporate sponsors of $30,000 or more are entitled to free admission to the Historical Society, includes special exhibitions, for all employees and up to three guests each and a 10% discount at the Historical Society gift shop, 50, 50. Free admission passes to the New York Historical Society for clients/slash guests, each pass good for up to two individuals, and includes all special exhibitions. 25, 25, complimentary tickets to society evening public programs. Discounted tickets to the annual Strawberry Festival luncheon, discounted tickets to the annual History Makers Gala benefit. 2, 2, Invitations to a Dinner with History. These intimate dinners for 12 to 15 guests feature an eminent historian and New York Historical Society president Louise Murray and invitations to annual pre-Thanksgiving balloon inflation viewing event and reception, and a listing in annual report and donor listing on website. Taxpayers receive historic deficits and debt. At the end of 2006, the society had a fund balance of $58 million, $190,000 represents 0.3% of that amount, or 6.1% corporate sponsors. Hidden in, Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porker, Rep. Howard Berman. Democrat, California, from the pig book, two hundred thousand dollars by Representative Howard Berman, D-California, for the Providence Holy Cross Foundation tattoo removal violence prevention program in Mission Hills. In fiscal two thousand and two, there was a fifty thousand dollars earmark for a tattoo removal program in San Luis Obispo. In the district of Representative Lois Capps, D-California, it is now time for a pork removal program. Hidden in Labor slash HHS Appropriations Act, porkers. Senator Lisa Murkowski. Republican Alaska. From the pig book, $238,000 by Senate Appropriator Lisa Murkowski, R-Alaska, for the Alaska PDA in Anchorage to train parents in their roles and responsibilities under the No Child Left Behind Act. Hidden in, Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Act. Porker, Rep. Marion Berry. Democrat. Arkansas. From the pig book. Two hundred and forty-five thousand six hundred and forty-three dollars by House Appropriator Marion Barry D. for the Arkansas Commercial Driver Training Institute at Arkansas State University, Newport, funded through the SBA. According to a February 27, 2009 press release on Representative Barry's website, the Commercial Driver Training Institute is a national leader in entry-level and enhanced commercial driver training for the over-the-road sector of the transportation industry. Funds will be utilized to improve Osu Newport's driver skills training range. Hidden in Agriculture Appropriations Bill. Porkers, Senators John Tester, Democrat, Montana, and Senator Max Baucus, Democrat, Montana. From the Pig Book, $254,000 by Senate appropriator John Tester, DeMont, and Senator Max Baucus, DeMont, for the Montana Sheep Institute. According to the organization's website, the Montana Sheep Institute, MSI, a cooperative project between Montana Wool Growers Association and Montana State University. The MSI is dedicated to developing and implementing non-traditional adjustment strategies that will increase the competitiveness of Montana's lamb and wool in the world market. Our goal is to explore opportunities to increase the utilization of sheep in weed management programs and improve the profitability and competitiveness of the Montana sheep industry. Since 2002, CAG was uncovered seven earmarks worth three million thirty-three thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars for the Montana Sheep Institute. This is money b a a a a -A daily spent hidden in Interior Appropriations. Porker Senator Daniel Inouye, Democrat, Hawaii, from the Pig Book, thirteen million six hundred and fifty thousand dollars for nine projects by Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Daniel Inouye, D-Hawaii, including seven million dollars for the James Campbell Wildlife Refuge. $750,000 for the Consortium for Plant Biotechnology, $500,000 for the Native Hawaiian Culture and Arts Program, and $300,000 for the Royal Mausoleum, Manaala, the final resting place for most of Hawaiian royalty. According to several online resources, Manaala is the only place in Hawaii where the state flag flies alone without the U.S. flag. Hidden in, Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porker, Senator K. Bailey Hutchinson. Republican. Texas. From the Pig Book, $500,000 by Senate CJS Appropriation Subcommittee member K. Bailey Hutchison, R. Texas, for the Manned Space Flight Education Foundation in Houston to create a virtual space community for students. Hidden in Military Construction Appropriation. Porkers, Representatives Mary Landrew, D. Law, and Jerry Lewis, Republican. California. From the Pig Book, 500000 dollars by Senate Military Construction Appropriations Subcommittee Member Mary Landrew, D. Law, and House Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Jerry Lewis, R. California, for the Lafayette Escadrille Memorial in Marnes-La-Coquette, France. Established in 1930, the Lafayette Escadrille is a monument dedicated to the U.S. pilots who flew for France prior to America's entry in World War I. Hidden in Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porker's Representatives Danny Davis. Democrat, Illinois, and Jesse Jackson, Jr., Democrat, Illinois. From the Pig Book, $900,000 by Representatives Danny Davis, D.L. and Jesse Jackson, Jr., D.I.L., and then Rep. Rahm Emanuel, D.L., for equipment for the Adler Planetarium and Astronomy Museum in Chicago. In a March 13, 2009 article in the Chicago Tribune jabs were exchanged in reference to the project when Senator John McCain, R. Arizona, referred to the project as an overhead projector. According to the article, the machine is actually a sophisticated $3 million to $5 million light projection system that beams images of the stars, planets, and galaxies onto the ceiling. The museum wants to spend millions to update its original, 78-year-old domed sky theater auditorium, including replacement of the huge, 40-year-old Zeiss Planetarium projection system, which is falling into disrepair. The Zeiss machine is so old that the German manufacturer longer has employees who know how to fix it. Most of the funding will come from private and corporate donations. The Adler Planetarium's 2007 tax return showed a fund balance of $31 million, the $900,000 taxpayer contribution represents less than 3% of that amount. Hidden in, Energy and Water Appropriations Act. Porkers, Senators Carl Levin. Democrat. Michigan, and Debbie Stabenow. Democrat. Michigan. From the Pig Book, $951,500 by Senators Carl Levin, Democrat, Michigan, and Debbie Stabenow, Democrat, Michigan, and House Appropriator Carolyn Kilpatrick, Democrat, Michigan, for downtown Detroit energy-efficient street lighting. That's the least of the city's problems. Hidden in, Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porkers, Senators Jack Reed, Democrat, Rhode Island, and Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat, Rhode Island. From the Pig Book, $1,200,000 by Senate CJS Appropriations Subcommittee member Jack Reed, Democrat, Rhode Island, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat, Rhode Island, and House CJS Appropriations Subcommittee member Patrick Kennedy, Democrat, Rhode Island, for equipment for at the University of Rhode Island's, URI, Pell Library and Undersea Exploration Center. According to the Providence Journal. URI broke ground on the Undersea Exploration Center in 2007 after the state's voters approved a $14 million bond measure for the project, at least Rhode Island taxpayers got to vote on whether or not to give money to the Exploration Center. The total cost of the Exploration Center was to be hidden in .appropriations. Porker, Norm Dix, Democrat. Washington. From the pig book, $1,280,000 by House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee member Norm Dix, Washington, for the Puget Sound Navy Museum in Bremerton, Washington. Dedicated to collecting, preserving, and interpreting the naval heritage of the Pacific Northwest for the benefit of the U.S. Navy and general public, admission to the Puget Sound Navy Museum is free. Rep. Dix directed $1 million to the museum in fiscal year 2008. Hidden in, Appropriations Act. Porkers, Rep. Maisie Hirano, Democrat Hawaii, and Rep. Madeline Bortalo, Democrat Guam. From the Pig Book, $1,240,000 for two projects for brown tree snakes control and interdiction in Guam by Rep. Maisie Hirano, Democrat hawaii and Rep. Madeline Bordello Democrat guam Since 1996, 14 projects worth $14.6 million have been earmarked in Hawaii and Guam for interdiction of brown tree snakes, which are still slithering through the Appropriations Bill. Hidden in, Transportation-slash-Housing and Urban Development. Porker. Representative Chris Shays, Republican Connecticut. From the pig book, $1,900,000 by then-rep Chris Shays, Republican Connecticut, for the Pleasure Beach Water Taxi Service Project. In 1996, a fire destroyed a bridge providing access to the beach near Bridgeport and Stratford. Although patrons can still walk to the beach from Stratford or row to it from Bridgeport, some community activists say a water taxi is needed. Stratford Mayor James Myron doesn't think so. He told the Stratford Star there's no support for the bridge and the local government's priority should be Bridgeport Schools. Hidden in, Commerce, Justice, Science Appropriations Act. Porkers, Senator Byron Dorgan, Democrat North Dakota, and Senator Kent Conrad, Democrat North Dakota. From the pig book, $3 million by Senate CJS Appropriations Subcommittee member Byron Dorgan, Democrat North Dakota, and Senator Kent Conrad, Democrat North Dakota, for the university of north dakota in grand forks to help make data received from NASA satellite images more accessible to the public apparently the two senators have not heard of nasa tv according to the nasa website the nasa tv public and educational channels are free to air meaning your cable or satellite service provider can carry them at no cost interested viewers should contact their local cable or satellite service provider to get nasa tv and ask the senators for a rebate of their share of that three million dollars hidden in Transportation slash housing and urban development. Porkers, Senator Carl Levin, Democrat Michigan. D. From the Pig Book, $3,800,000 by Senator Carl Levin, Democrat Michigan, for the Old Tiger Stadium Conservancy for preservation and redevelopment of a public park and related business activities in the Corktown neighborhood. Michael Lafave, a fiscal analyst with the Free Market Mackinac Center for Public Policy in Midland. Summed up the project's problems in a Detroit Free Press article on January 27, 2009, It's not only irresponsible to redirect these precious resources to saving Tiger Stadium, it's unfair to everyone with no voluntary connection to the stadium whatsoever. And that comes in the form of people who don't like baseball, people who don't go to the city of Detroit, people who have no desire to see what remains of the old stadium because of this rescue. Hidden in, Appropriations Act. Porker, Rep. Bill Young. Republican Florida, from the pig book, one hundred and fourteen million eight hundred thousand dollars for fifty-three projects by House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee Ranking Member Bill Young, Republican Florida, including four million five hundred thousand dollars for comprehensive maritime domain awareness, two million four hundred thousand dollars for the Air Warrior Joint Service Vacuum Pack Life Raft, and four projects for four million two hundred thousand dollars for a Weapons of Mass Destruction Civil Support Team in Florida. Hidden in Commerce Justice. Science Appropriations Act. Porker, Senator Daniel Inouye, Democrat Hawaii. From the pig book, $32,950,000 for 17 projects by Senate CJS Appropriations Subcommittee Member Daniel Inouye, Democrat Hawaii, including, $7,100,000 for NOAA for the conservation and recovery of endangered Hawaiian sea turtle populations. $2,600,000 $2,600,000 for NOAA for the conservation and recovery of the critically endangered monk seal population and conservation of Pacific crustaceans, $2,000,000 for the Imolo Astronomy Center of Hawaii for the promotion of astronomy in Hawaii, $1,750,000 for the International Pacific Research Center at the University of Hawaii to conduct systematic and reliable climatographic research of the Pacific region, $1,500,000 for NOAA to create and implement an integrated system-wide ocean science education program piloted in Hawaii's schools, $1,250,000 for the Joint Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Research at the University of Hawaii to conduct research on open ocean fisheries in the Pacific Ocean, and $700,000 for NOAA for the Hawaii Coral Reef. Initiative at the University of Hawaii to support monitoring and research activities on Hawaii's coral reefs. Hidden in, State and Foreign Operations Appropriations. Porkers, Massachusetts, meaning we don't know who proposed it. Wink, wink. From the pig book, $15 million added by the House for the International Fund for Ireland, IFI. Established in 1986. IFI's objectives are to promote economic and social advance and to encourage contact, dialogue, and reconciliation between nationalists and unionists throughout Ireland. Projects funded by IFI in the past have included building a replica of the Jeannie Johnson, a Canadian ship that once ferried famine victims across the Atlantic, and Ben and Jerry's ice cream stores. In his review of a glowing book about IFI released in January 2009, Sean Donlan stated, While the fund will continue its work for the next couple of years it would be unreasonable to expect external support thereafter, especially in the current relatively stable political and security situation in Northern Ireland. CAGW has identified $264 million for this project since 1995. Hidden in, Homeland Security Appropriations Act. Porkers, Senator Thad Cochran, Republican Mississippi, Senator Lamar Alexander, Republican 10, and Senator Roger Wicker, Republican Mississippi from the pig book, $27 million by Senate Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Thad Cochran, Republican Mississippi, then Senate Homeland Security Appropriations Subcommittee Member Lamar Alexander, R-10, and Senator Roger Wicker, Republican Mississippi, for the Southeast Region Research Initiative, SARI, in Tennessee. The SARI website says it is a groundbreaking program managed by Oak Ridge National Laboratory, ORNL, for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to assist local state and tribal leaders in developing the tools and methods required to anticipate and forestall terrorist events and to enhance disaster response. SARI combines science and technology with validated operational approaches to address regionally unique requirements and suggest regional solutions with potential national implications. DHS apparently does not believe SARI is critical as there was no budget request for the program. Hidden in, military construction appropriation. Porkers, Congressman in Texas, South Carolina, and Mississippi. From the Pig Book, $27,820,000 for three projects funding fitness centers, $11,580,000 by Rep. Solomon Ortiz, Democrat Texas, for a fitness center at Naval Air Station Kingsville, $9,900,000 by Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, and Rep. John Spratt, Democrat South Carolina, for a physical fitness center at Shaw Air Force Base. And $6,340,000 by Senate Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Thad Cochran, Republican Mississippi, Senator Roger Wicker, Republican Mississippi, and Representative Charles Chip Pickering, Republican Miss, for a fitness center at Meridian Naval Air Station. The YMCA in Sumter, South Carolina, near Shaw Air Force Base, charges $46.13 per month for an adult fitness membership, while an unlimited membership at Rec World in Meridian costs $50 per month. Hidden in Military Construction Appropriation. Porkers, Congressman in Texas, North Carolina, Alabama, Kansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky. From the Pig Book, $44,230,000 for six projects funding chapels, $17,500,000 by House Military Construction Appropriations Subcommittee Chairman Chet Edwards, D. Texas, and House Military Construction Appropriations Subcommittee member John Carter, R. Texas, for a chapel with an education center at Fort Hood. $11,600,000 $11,600,000 by Rep. Mike McIntyre, D.N.C., for a chapel at Fort Bragg, $6,800,000 by then-rep Terry Everett, R.A.L.A., for a chapel center at Fort Rucker, $4,200,000 by Senate Military. Construction Appropriations Subcommittee Member Sam Brownback, Argonne, and then-rep Nancy D. D.G.A.N., for Phase two of a chapel complex at Fort Leavenworth, $3,500,000 by Rep. Ike Skelton, DMO, for a chapel complex at Fort Leonard Wood, and $630,000 by Senate Appropriators Mitch McConnell, RKY, and Lamar Alexander, R-10, Senators Jim Bunning, R-K-Y, and Bob Corker, R-10, House Appropriators Akwamp, R-10, and Representatives John Tanner, D-10, and Edward Whitfield, R-K-Y, for a chapel center in Fort Campbell. Hidden in, dot appropriations. Porker, unspecified meaning they may have to hurt you, if they tell you who proposed this one. From the pig book, $465 million for the continued development of the F-136 engine as an alternative engine in the Joint Strike Fighter program. The JSF is $55 billion over its budgeted cost, according to the Government Accountability Office, GAO. Congress has added funding for an additional engine in order to supposedly increase competition and flexibility for pilots. However. According to a February 24, 2009 United Press International article, the money was allotted, despite the fact that the winning engine had already prevailed in half a dozen public and private competitions and despite the fact that no other part of the plane would be competed once production commenced. CBS News reported on July 30, 2007 that the Air Force and two independent panels concluded that the second engine is not necessary and not affordable and that the professed savings from competition will never be achieved. No wonder that all 435 representatives and 100 senators refuse to be identified with this massive waste of tax dollars. Crazy pork barrel projects are one more exhibit of reckless spending. Watch any politician speak of balancing the government budget, and one of the first and most repeated phrases is related to waste and abuse. However, when the time comes to line up at the spending trough, nearly every politician is set to expend tax dollars, often on ridiculous projects. Considering all of the lip service from Democrats and Republicans on fiscal policy, why does so much of our federal funding go toward these expenditures that seem like random topics selected by dart throws? The budget is broken, in part, because politicians count on two factors. First, voters do not pay very close attention. Second, when they do pay attention they want politicians to be doing something. Earmarking a half million dollars for a Sparta teapot museum or another $273,000 toward fighting goth culture might seem like exactly what your own member of Congress should be doing. But when you tally up all 435 representatives, 100 senators, and the needs of 50 states, the spending grows so large that ridiculous projects can be shoehorned into bills with little oversight. Members of Congress love earmarks. They make great re-election fodder and present a stellar opportunity to get on the cover of the Palookaville Picayune. After all, if you have money from the other 434 districts for an in-kind donation to your next term, then why would you not take advantage? Since a 2011 soft ban on earmarks, members of Congress switched from direct budget requests to using the federal bureaucracy to steer money to their districts. Spending bills include additional funds, which are divided at the discretion of government agencies as well as the White House. The rotten culture on Capitol Hill seeps down Pennsylvania Avenue to a number of those agencies. Several operate under a use-it or lose-it budget, where there is a mad dash to spend before the fiscal year ends, because if they do not extinguish the last nickel, their budget will fall to the amount actually expended. As a result, when the fiscal year ends each September, agencies will blow through the rest of their budgets on suddenly necessary projects. These totaled nearly $100 billion in the last fiscal year, with over half spent in the last week of the calendar. Of the 510,000 contracts signed during the last month of the fiscal year, Agencies authorized a $9,000 leather chair, nearly $309,000 for alcohol, over $673,000 for golf carts, and $4 million for lobster and crab. Over a quarter of this spending spree went to the beltway. Many agencies, such as the Defense Department, know how to play this game well. Included on the tab for the last spending spree was $2 billion in guided missiles that our Pentagon officials just could not wait another fiscal year to unwrap. It is absolutely critical for voters to understand not just why such out-of-control spending sprees occur every fiscal year, but also how they can be stopped. It is simple to argue for better civics education. After all, our current government, as the old maxim goes, is the one that we deserve. However, there are several actions the government could take to eliminate not only much of the waste, but also to restore some faith in Washington. Such reforms include a strict cap on the dollar value of earmarks for each district why not just ban earmarks altogether? A annually audited system with a hard cap for each district would severely reduce the dollars spent compared to the current budget pool system. Another measure could be a 90-day justification system for agencies before receiving authorization to spend. Finally, there could be a reduction of discretion on spending by agencies. Congress loves to offshore its responsibility by authorizing the secretary to spend allocated funds. Instead, any projects costing more than $10 million should have approval by both chambers of Congress. Lastly, let's take a look a few politicians the bacon for their districts. When then-President Obama unveiled his $3.8 trillion budget proposal. Of course, that was just the start. Now Congress will attack the budget, and some savvy politicians will get loads of special projects for their own district. The Pig Book identified 10,160 projects at a cost of $19.6 billion in the 12 Appropriations Acts for fiscal 2009. According to CAGW, a pork project is a line item in an appropriations bill that designates tax dollars for a specific purpose in circumvention of established budgetary procedures. To qualify as pork, a project must meet one of seven CAGW criteria. Now let's see who in Congress was kings of pork. Rep. Norm Dix, Democrat W.A project total 77 dollar total millions one hundred and four dollars and eighty cents house rank 10. big ticket items salt water cooling and fire protection improvements for kitsap naval base five dollars and ten cents mil 66 foot coastal command boat for the navy's configuration control board 5.0 dollar mil floating area network Littoral sensor grid for the navy's research and development four dollars and eighty cents mil Representative Marion Berry, Democrat AR Project Total, $54. Dollar total, millions $105.80. House rank, 9. Big ticket items. Readiness Center in Cabot for the Army National Guard, 80 cents MIL. Grand Prairie Region Construction Project by the Corps of Engineers, $9.80 MIL. White River Minimum Flows Project by the Corps of Engineers, $2.70 MIL. Rep. Pete Vesklosky, Democrat in. Project total, 67. Dollar total, $113.60. House rank, 7, tie. Big ticket items. Combined Arms Collective Training Facility in Muscatatuck for Army National Guard, $1.60 MIL. Capital investment grants for Northern Indiana Commuter Transit District, $4.90 MIL. Center for Computational Simulation and Visualization at University of Indiana, $5.90 MIL. Representative Phil Hare, Democrat IL. Project total, 19. Dollar total, millions $113.60. House rank, 7, tie. Big ticket items. National Writing Project Grant, $24.0 MIL. Upper Mississippi River Investigative Projects for Corps of Engineers, MIL. Arsenal Support Program Initiative in Rock Island for the Army, $11.50 MIL. Representative Jerry Lewis, Republican CA. Project total, 80. Dollar total, millions $139.90. House rank, 6. Big Ticket Items. Center for Innovative Geospatial Technology for Defense-Wide Research and Development, $5.0 MIL. Lifelong Learning Center at the 29 Palms Marine Corps Base, and A. Synchrotron Based Scanning Research Neuroscience and Proton Institute for the Army's Research and Development, $5.0 MIL. Representative Steny Hoyer, Democrat MD. Project Total, $98. Dollar Total, $149.10. House Rank, 5. Big Ticket Items. Energetic Systems and Tech Lab Complex in Indian Head for the Navy, $9.50 MIL. National Board for Professional Teaching Standards Grant, $9.80 MIL. Special Olympics grant for education programs that can be integrated into classroom instruction and activities to increase the participation of individuals with intellectual disabilities, $4.50 MIL. Representative Neil Abercrombie, Democrat High. Project Total, $29. Dollar total, $153.60. House Rank, 4 Big Ticket Items Education for Native Hawaiians Grant Access Road in Pahakulo for the Army Center for Civic Education Grant for two programs We the People and Cooperative Education Exchange, $32.50 M.I.L. Representative John Murtha, D.P.A. Project Total, $73.00 Total, $159.10 House Rank, 3 Big Ticket Items National Drug Intelligence Center for ICMA. Military Interoperable Digital Hospital Testbed for Army Research and Development, $12.0 MIL. South Central PA Environmental Infrastructure Project for Corps of Engineers, $8.30 MIL. Representative Bill Young, Republican FL. Project Total, $87. Dollar Total, $169.50. House Rank, 2. Big Ticket Items. Regional Training Institute at Camp Blanding for the Army National Guard, $20.90 MIL. Pinellas County Construction Projects for the Corps of Engineers, $0.70 MIL. Tropical and Subtropical Research Grant for Cooperative State Research Education and Extension Service, $7.10 MIL. Rep. Roger Wicker, Republican MS. Project Total, $43.00 Total, $176.30. House Rank, 1. Big Ticket Items. Light Utility Helicopter for the Army, $32.60 MIL. Southeast Region Research Initiative Grant for Science and Technology Research, Development, Acquisition, and Operations, $27.0 MIL. National Writing Project Grant for Activities Authorized Under the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, $24.30 MIL. Although Wicker is now a U.S. Senator, These requests were made while he was a U.S. representative for 2008 funding. And now, the U.S. Senate. Senator Tom Harkin, Democrat IA. Project total, 197. Dollar total, $302.80. Senate rank, 10. Big ticket items. International program for the elimination of child labor grant for the Labor Department, $41.0 MIL. Lewis and Clark Rural Water System Projects for the Bureau of Reclamation, Teach for America Grant, Senator Kit Bond, Republican MO, Project Total, One Hundred and Forty Two, Dollar Total, Millions Three Hundred and Nine Dollars total Eighty Cents, Senate Rank, Nine, Big Ticket Items, National Rural Water Association Grant for EPA, Seven Dollars and Eighty Cents Mil, Mine Detection Training Facility and K Nine Kennel at Fort Leonard Wood Army Base. Upper Mississippi River Investigative Projects for Corps of Engineers, forty-five dollars and seventy cents mil. Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican, Ia. Project total, one hundred and fifty-four dollar total, millions three hundred and twenty-one dollars and forty cents. Senate rank, eight. Big ticket items: Lewis and Clark Rural Water System Projects for Bureau of Reclamation, Upper Mississippi River Investigative Projects for Corps of Engineers. MIL Arsenal Support Program Initiative at Rock Island Army Depot, $11.50 MIL Senator Patty Murray Project Total, $208 Dollar Total, $327.80 Senate Rank, 7 Big Ticket Items Large Harbour Tugs for Navy Shipbuilding and Conversion National Rural Water Association Grant for the EPA $7.60 MIL. Warfare Aggressor Squadron Facility Grant at McCord Air Force Base for the Air National Guard. Senator Daniel Inouye. Project total, $131.00. Dollar total, $385.50. Senate rank, 6. Big Ticket Items. Alaska and Hawaii Native Educational Equity Grant, $11.80 MIL. Education for Native Hawaiians Grant for School Improvement, $33.90 MIL. Access Road in Pahakulo for the Army. Senator Robert Byrd, Democrat WV. Project Total, 111. Dollar Total, 386 dollars Senate Rank, 5. Big Ticket Items. Advanced Training Center for Customs and Border Protection Construction, $39.70 MIL. Allegheny Ballistics Laboratory Restoration Plan for the Navy, $54.0 $54.00 MIL. Fuel System slash corrosion control hangar at Jaeger Airport for the Air National Guard. Senator Mary Landrew. Project Total, $161. Dollar total, $458.50. Senate rank, 4. Big ticket items. Security Forces Complex at Barksdale Air Force Base. Comite River Diversion Project for the Corps of Engineers, $7.90 MIL. Air Force Minority Leaders Program Grant for Air Force Research and Development, $6.0 MIL. Senator Richard Shelby, Republican Al. Project Total, $206. Dollar Total, 464 dollars 50 Senate Rank, 3. Big Ticket Items. University of Alabama Grant for an Interdisciplinary Science and Engineering Teaching and Research Corridor. General Services Administration Grant at the Tuscaloosa Federal Building. System Software Engineering Annex at Redstone Army Arsenal, $20 MIL. Senator Ted Stevens, Republican AK. Project total, $150. Dollar total, $469.40. Senate rank, 2. Big ticket items. Joint Tannenor Range Access for Defense-Wide Operation and Maintenance, $44.20 MIL. C-17 Assault Landing Zone for Air Force Operation and Maintenance. Readiness Center at Bethel Armory for the Army National Guard. Senator Thad Cochran, RMS. Project total, $245. Dollar total, $892.20. Senate rank, 1. Big ticket items. Light utility helicopter for the Army, $32.60 MIL. Southeast Region Research Initiative Grant for Science and Technology Research, Development, Acquisition and Operations, 27.0 dollars mil national writing project grant for activities authorized under the elementary and secondary education act 24.30 dollars 30 (laughs) mil
0: what y'all think about that pork barrel spending that is something else or pork barrel politics or pork barrel allocation you know which what have you done for me lately that's what i call it instead of calling it pork barrel. I call it, what have you done for me lately? Or what can you do for me lately? <laughs> uh, I tell you, you, know. I remember one of the first jobs that I had when I had to be responsible for a budget. One of the things they always used to talk to us about is physical spending. They always to talked to us most so about waste, fraud, and abuse. You know, you can't waste a company, company money. You can't abuse the company money because in order for us to make money, we have to lower our overhead, our overhead. You know, and become more efficiency has a lot to do with our waste costs. We have to eliminate our waste costs. You can't, over, can't overbuy or overspend and then waste stuff out because that cuts into your profit. But see, but what we're looking at now with our government right now is that what we're looking at is that there is no accountability. See, like I told y'all before, anything when when you hear about these votes on Capitol Hill, everything being like it's like now with this COVID thing. You know, everything is supposed to be with this second round of, I guess, PPI, PPP funding or stuff like that, you know, free money that they want to give out to people. See this thing, like what's going on right now with this freeze is, is that somebody is not in their pork barrel. You see, these congressmen and these senators, they want something. And until they get what they want or a portion of what they want, they're going to keep this thing deadlocked. Now, when y'all hear about, okay, they finally came to an agreement about something, That's mean whichever congressman, whatever vote they need, has gotten what they wanted for their district, and also to fill up their war Because See how this pork barrel thing work is. See, when you get these congressmen that only do two years, they only do two years, they don't come in. If congressmen only do, first year congressmen only do two years. So if in that two year time, they can't make any changes, there's no way possible for them to make any changes. So what they do is when they come in those first two years, they have to follow the party line. Party line is whatever the chairman of the party say vote, that's how you have to vote. But at the same time, while you're in there those first two years, you have an opportunity to make a whole lot of money because you have to build up your war chest. When you build up that war chest, if you, if you lose, you take that war chest with you. But at the same time, you have an opportunity to earmark and pork barrel some money to your dist- to your district or your state that you came from, and that's very important too, because if you're only going to be there for two years, you have to make as many as many connections with the right people as you can. You have to get as me- you have to sell your vote to the highest bidder for as much as you can. And what I mean by selling your vote is in pork barrel, because if the party line consists of you. Your need, uh, needing your vote to push something through the house to support your party, or your, um, your your chairman representative position, or whatever the big man pork barrel cause is, your vote still counts. And within that, right, you have you have to get paid. You have to get some earmark the to, ear, uh, to your district. And it's like I told you, even if you go, if a congressman goes in for two years, they may not win the next election that they are, they are that's coming up in the, for the next two years. So at this time, like I say, is they have to follow the party line and they have the vote to get the most money they can for their war chest and also for their districts in the form of pork barrel. Because that's very important because if they lose, they go back to their home state. When they go back to their home state. They can either run for governor. They can either run for mayor. You know, or they can run in the, in, in the state senate. See, there's a lot of things they go because now they got that Washington D.C. experience and I mean that Washington D.C. connection. So even if the congressman go up there for two years and he lose and come back, he still have to make those connections. He still have to earmark money back to his constituents back in the state that he came from. He also builds up his war chest. See, this is what this thing is all about here. Now, you get those congressmen that goes in and they're very flamboyant and they learn how to work the system quick and make the right connections. Then they get put on for another two years, you know, by the, by their by the constituents in their district. They get voted back in again and then back in again. And then next they move to the Senate and they got a lifetime job. So this thing all is all about when you move up there is what have you done for me lately? And the average folks like us, We down here looking at this thing totally wrong. You know, it's like one of the things that disturbed me when I was listening to this little talk here. It talks about uh, Obama, over $900 million, he earmarked for a museum in Chicago with Jesse Jackson and Jesse Jackson uh, freeing. Now, I can vividly remember that time when when President Obama was voting in office him and Jesse Jackson ain't like each other. Jesse Jackson said some pretty nasty things about Obama. You see, they're both from Chicago. But that was on the surface. This was on the surface. See, behind closed doors, a whole lot of money. Almost a million dollars got earmarked for a museum in Chicago. At the at, at the at, at the behest of Jesse Jackson. Now let me tell you something. The last time you seen a black person go to a museum, especially in Chicago, ain't no black person in Chicago looking up. They're looking down. They're looking on the ground for some money. They ain't looking up. So you know that's a pork barrel project. And not to pick on Obama, as you as you can see on the list, a whole lot of politicians has earmarked, has earmarked money in the form of pork barrel to their districts and their associates. So it's just not Obama thing, but that was just one of the things that stood out about me because I remember when Obama came into office, how him and Jesse Jackson always butted heads, how Jesse Jackson never had anything to say about it. But yet here we see is almost a million dollars went to fund something that Jesse was a part of and a whole lot of money went to Chicago. But like I said, I want to pick on Obama because everybody does it. Every politician that gets in, they do it. Poor barrel is a I mean, you have some senators in Congress Congressmen as you, as you as you heard from the list, just a few of them. they make a lifetime. they've made a lifetime fortune off a of pork barrel. made a fortune out of pork barrel. You know you're talking about robbing somebody blind? And see, they get us down here. They get us down here arguing about the frivolous of things. You know, people down here, uh, when I say down here, I mean not up there in, in politics. You know, like down here, we arguing about health care, universal basic health care. we saying that it's not enough. You know, we can't give a universal health care like Canada or some of these other places, you know, because the haves is going to be paying for the have nots. Now. To a certain degree, that's probably right. But when you look at all the money that has been earmarked in the form of pork barrel to pay for these frivolous programs and some of them don't even exist, it can pay the medical expense bill for everybody to have universal health. You see, nobody y'all don't see that. You don't look at that, the only thing you look at you look at programs like welfare they have you look at programs welfare they have you look at social programs or i call them socialism programs you know where the have nots per se is per se getting something for free you know like section eight programs welfare uh, All these other programs that I I can think of that I can't regurgitate right now. They have you thinking about that. And then they have you thinking about how much waste, how much money that we'll have to spend for these programs. How much money we'll have to spend for programs for universal basic, basic now, health for every citizen in the United States, which is only 300 and some million. That'll cost the government too much money. We can't do that. But here it is. You're spending more than that on these pork barrel projects. You're building bridges to nowhere. You're building battery factories and not even making batteries. You're doing... You, uh, you, in, in, in Guam, you're trying to eradicate snakes. You're spending over... $36 million to eradicate snakes. A brown snake, a tree snake. The snake's still there. Then not had more babies. Look at the money that the government, not so much the government is spending, how much money is being allocated for these backdoor deals to pass a bill through the House? If a bill get passed through the House, to subsidize the first round of unemployment for people who ain't working because of this COVID, just say it's $380 million. Out of that $380 million, at least 45% of it is pork barrel. 40 to 45% is going to be taken out of it to pay our officials that we vote in the office to pay them for they vote. That's what pork barrel is. That's what all this is. Pork barrel is basically bringing home the bacon to your district. I can bring home the bacon, put it in the pan. You remember that commercial back in the day, y'all, y'all young folks probably don't remember that commercial back in the day. But that woman, you know, woman liberation, you know, she I can come bring home the bacon, put it in the pan cook it up, and never let you forget that you a man. Ooh, that was a good commercial. That was a hot white lady too. <laughs> okay, but look, that's all I'm saying. That what poke Baron is. And then, I got, I got a friend. You know, he needed some medical procedures done. And, you know, he got booted. You know, he lost his position. You know, he lost his position in line to get his medical procedures done because the insurance companies. Didn't want to pay for it at first. Now, then I saw a comment from another friend. He said, "Well, if you think that's bad, what do you think would happen if we had pretty much universal basic health insurance, like you know, like Canada?" We well, see we have a misconception about what actually goes on in Canada. Have you ever looked at their studies? But for the first thing I want to deal with, I'm thinking of myself is we're spending 60 70 80 90,000 on a medical procedure. Okay? Now, for one thing, if there was universal basic health insurance for everybody, that still doesn't mean that if you have the money to pay for a special procedure, you can't get it. It doesn't mean that. See, that's what the biggest misconception is. If The government supplies health insurance for everybody in this country, right? Then we all got to wait in line for a procedure. You can't get it because somebody else got to get it. Because they're not going to move the line because the doctors get paid the same thing. No, there always be specialized doctors. That's like you can go to Walmart. You can go to Walmart and you can go buy you a cheap pair of tennis shoes at Walmart. Or you can go to the Nike store and get you a high-brand, high, high, high price pair of tennis shoes. A good pair of tennis shoes that's going to last you. Or you can go to Walmart and get you a pair of tennis shoes for the day. There's always going to be basic and there's always going to be high dollar. Now, if you're waiting on your insurance company to pay the insurance, now, I'm going to tell you something, a lot of time with these insurance companies too is, a lot of times with these medical procedures is, these medical procedures are jacked. The prices are jacked up too high anyway. It's not, be, it's not what the market demands. It's what they know the insurance company would pay because they know the insurance company gets their money from the government. It's like an open checkbook. Why should a doctor charge you $20,000 for a procedure? When they can charge you $60,000, put that bill on the insurance company and the insurance company going to get paid from the government, probably about uh, $80,000 give the, give the, give the, uh, give the hospital and the doctor make 60,000, they keep 20 insurance company keep 20,000, but then the insurance company also like a Ponzi scheme also. The insurance company ain't got no money. insurance company pay the claims off the money that they get in go back and listen to my pie talk on insurance companies. So I'm not gonna get too far off into that. Like I tell you, the misconception is just because there's universal basic health insurance for your citizens because your citizens are the wealth of your country. The wealth of your country ain't the paper money. The wealth of your country is the citizens. If you take all the citizens away out of this country and you just have your paper money, you know what, you don't have anything. Because that ain't worth nothing in another country. Because if you don't have no citizens to produce anything or to defend anything, you can have all that green paper all you want. But you can't give that green paper to nobody else to come in and defend you because it's not worth anything to them. Won't be worth anything to anybody coming in here would be the land. What I'm telling you is the wealth of the uh, of your commonwealth is your people, and you don't think it's necessary to take care of your people, the health of your people, the backbone of your people that makes your country operate, makes it moves every day. You don't think that's very important. Universal basic, basic health insurance does not interfere with people that have the money to, for procedures. If a person got sixty thousand dollars right, and they want to pay sixty thousand dollars and they want to get that medical procedure done right now, they can do that. There's no, I haven't heard any anywhere, any other country, any other specialized country that's, that 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 they can't get. They can't get what they want when they want it. Now I have heard, I have heard people in other countries that have had that have came to America to have medical procedures done. Right, just like I've heard Americans go to other countries and have medical procedures done. It goes both ways. If you can afford to get it done, you get it done universal basic health insurance doesn't apply to that. But what I, that my point right now, I'm not talking about, that was an example. My point I'm talking about right here is that all the money that's being wasted or allocated or earmarked to these pork barrel projects, you can have universal basic health insurance for everybody. And still, the people with the money that can afford whatever these specialized needs they have, they still can get those services. They still, can, they still can get those services. That doesn't affect anything. But see, but we always want to look at what the next man getting, just like the politicians now. If you want my vote, you got to give me X amount because you're giving him X amount, and that's how we are. You can't give them number, you can't give them anything because I'm paying into it and they're not paying into it. Them poor people, They, you know, we, we can't give everybody universal benefit, basic health insurance. I know I'm pounding that into death, but I'm telling y'all that we can. Go back and listen to the little pie talk here and look at all the money, millions and billions of dollars being spent on these frivolous, non-existent programs. Right now we're talking about the second round of this COVID thing. We're talking about, they arguing about the funds, where the funds coming from. Y'all know where the funds coming from. Y'all, y'all argument ain't about where the funds coming from. Y'all argument is about what? It, what am I getting out of it? What is my district getting out of it? What is gonna be, what can I earmark to my constituents? What can I put in my war chest? Because you know there's an election coming up. See the, see the amazing thing about it? See, like, when a politician gets voted into office, say a congressman, first year congressman. When a first congressman gets voted into office and he wins, his first three months, is le- six months is learning the ropes. After that, he's got to raise some money. He's starting. He's got to raise money stay with the president after after one after one maybe two years of president he's got to go into fundraising mode. he ain't running the country and let it be known who actually runs the country is not the senators and the congressmen and the presidents right? I forgot what you call them. What they call them? Boy, they—they're they not. in, the, I forgot what they name is. They're not. In, excuse me. They're not interns. They're um. They're uh. They're like aides, like White House aides. But it's another word for. I can't think of it right now. You know, the the folks that actually read these bills. See, this how the system works up there is this. I'm gonna call them aides. I forgot what their names are right now. But I'm gonna call them aides. A senator, a congressman, or the president, all these pe- all these figureheads, all these figureheads that we vote in the position. They have folks, they have aides that work for them. Whenever a bill or legislature or anything across, come, comes across comes across their desk or, or proposed, these aides are the ones that actually read these bills. They read these not bills. They read these proposals. They're not a bill yet. There are proposals. They read these proposals, and they highlight and suggest things to the congressman or 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 the senator. Right? They just highlight and suggest. So the congressman, the senator, he don't really sit down and read nothing because he out trying to fundraise raise money. But his aide is the one that's going through that thing with a fine to call him and that aide is telling him what he want him to know you see if if you got an aide and a good aide and your aide gets bought off by somebody then that aide is not going to disclose everything to the senator or the congressman that he worked for he's just going to disclose some of the highlight high points and a lot of times these senator congressmen don't know what they voting on until they get ready to vote until they walking to the Senate Hall to vote on, them. they ain't spent no time all night reading that. Their aides, they they rely on their aides for the information to tell them, okay, you gonna vote no or you gonna vote yes. or this, oh, uh, what is this proposal? Is this, this 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 proposal is for a bridge to Canada? Well, a bridge to Canada. Now, what is in it for me? Well, you want the turtles that's underneath the bridge. Okay, all right, well, I'll vote on it. How much they gonna give me for them turtles? Oh, they're gonna give you about 60 million. Okay, I'll vote on it. Uh wait a minute. They're not gonna give me 60 million for the turtles, how much they gonna give me? They're they gonna give me 30. Oh no, I can't vote on this thing. I can't vote on this thing for thirty. I need sixty million dollars for them turtles underneath that bridge to Canada. I need sixty. I don't want 30. Well, I'm gonna vote no on that. I'm gonna hold that up. I'm gonna hold that up. So he goes up there and he vote no on on uh, on on that bridge to Canada because he needs his sixty his sixty for them turtles. That's how this thing works. So, like I said, a lot of the times these people are represented. We put it all, they don't they don't mm-hmm. know about the stuff they vote on. They don't know all the fine tooth details because some of these packets are six seven hundred pages long. And you know these congressmen ain't some of them can't stay can't hold their eyes open that long they old. they ready to go to sleep. But they rely on their aides to go through this thing, read this thing, highlight the high points that's pertinent to them. They don't want to know about all that fluff. What's, what, what's in this proposal that can benefit me and my, my my constituents, and how much can I pull out of it? And that's what we have what's going on right now. You know, when they, they arguing over this PPP, they all over this money, this second round. They pay people because they ain't told people to stay home because of this COVID. They're trying to get paid. There's they, more money that they can pull out of the system. This thing ain't about you or helping you like they really care about you. This thing ain't about care about you a little five, six hundred dollars. extra. that ain't going to help you. See, here's the crazy thing about the whole system anyway. The crazy thing about it is that they know that whatever they give you is going to come right back. It's not like they're going to give you $600 and you're going to save it. They give you $600 and you're going to put it right back on the economy and they're going to get it right back. In the form of taxes, in the form of you spending it, they're going to get it right back. A percentage of it, they're going to get it right back. Some people are going to save some. Some businesses businesses, uh, that they spend with is going to save some of that money. But they're going to get that money right back. again. Because the average person who, who needs the fund is the average person who didn't save no money. Who didn't prepare for hard times. So they're going to get that money right back. So it's not like that, you know, people say where they, where they get the money from. It's not about where they get the money from. They know they're going to get it right back. Whatever they put out there, they're going to get it right back. But the most important thing for them is that How much in earmarks can they get before they all, before they agreed to pass this bill? See, everything is a dog and pony show. I remember when I was working for for General Motors up in Delaware, I was a paint facility manager and I I had about 32 guys underneath me. They were called booth cleaners. And all these guys had like 30 years. So these were the roughest, toughest guys in the shop. He yes, with that much seniority, you really can't tell him to do much work. And I remember this particular time, the leader of the group, when I first got there, see, I had to go after the leader first, because I know if I can break the leader down, they're going to they gonna fall in line. So first I first got there, me and the leader, we clashed, right? Now, one thing about me is I try to learn, I try to study things, I try to make sure I'm right about things, because I can't defend something that I'm wrong about. If I'm wrong about it, I can't defend. I can't open my mouth and defend it. But I try to make sure that I'm right about the things that I'm going to defend I'm prepared to, to defend. So me and this old boy got into it, right? And uh, he wanted his union rep. So I called the union rep for him. Right. So me and the union rep came over and uh, we got behind closed doors and uh, we settled everything between me and the union rep. The guys wasn't there. It was just me and you union were behind closed doors. He said, look here, man. He said, uh, what you did was right. He said, I don't have no problem with what you did. He said, now this is how I want you to write him up. Now, this is the union steward telling me how to write his man up. Right? He said, this is how you write him up. He said, you write," and But he said, but when we go out here, I'm going to cuss you out. When we get in front of the guys, I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to call you everything I need to son He said but don't take it personal He said because I have an election Coming up And I need to show these guys that I stand up for them I said well I don't have no problem with that So he told me how to write the guy up We went out there And me and him got into a little verbal altercation He pretty much you know did all the talking you know you know, saying, you know, saying what he said to me at the time, and and the guys was, you know, cheerleading him on like they had pom poms, but that's okay. Cause at the end of the day, you know what happened? At the end of the day, he got re-elected for standing up for his guys, and the guy that I got into with, he went on the street for three days without pay. <laughs> and the rest of the guys, they fell in line. Cause they see that this guy here don't play. We call our union steward. Our union steward cussed him out, defended us in front of him, and the guys in the, and the and our leader got still got put out on the street. See, this is how much we know. See, this these are the back door deals that goes on that we don't know about. See, that's why whenever I hear about things, I look the other way and try to see what's going on over there. See, just like Jesse Jackson and Obama. Jesse Jackson talked about Obama like a dog. Yet he got over nine hundred million dollars for a museum that black folks don't even go to. But see, we thought they was enemy. We thought they ain't like each other. And this is what goes on every day. When y'all look at Joe Biden and y'all look at uh uh our President Trump, you really think they don't like each other? They dog everything. This stuff is a dog and pony show everything is about and the, the bad thing about it is when you look at your country as a piggy bank when you have when you have congressmen and senators and our representatives from the state level to the local local level to the federal level who don't have the people in mind all the they have in mind is their pockets their constituents that's all they have in mind. They don't care nothing about the little, the little working folks. They don't care nothing about you. Everything when you look at CNN, MSS, MSN, all that stuff. Yeah, well, I don't look at that crap. That's a dog and pony show, y'all looking at. He right, he wrong, and then what kills me is that when we get around each other, we take sides. We take sides and defend these, these folks sides. they're ripping me off, they're ripping you off you may have a little bit more money than me a lot more money than me they still ripping you off too cause at the end of the day it's not about me or you it's about them but there always comes a time you know as a little boy down south he had his old saying when the chicken comes on the roost Always a time when the Chin comes on the roost. <laughs> but look, I took up enough of y'all time. I hope y'all enjoyed that little, you know, that little lesson on, uh, or that little, that little talk, you know, on pork barrel spending. And we have to think about that uh, from our not just the federal level, the pork barrel spending, even the pork barrel spending from from the local level, you know, to your district men. You know, why you people during election time, people have all these signs out. And, you know, running for district one, district two—that's the way to get in. Even though a district man in in, uh, in the lower in the, in the lower level, you know, in the local level, even though district men don't make a lot of money, it's, again, it's not about making money. It's all about getting into the system, learn how the system works. Even when you're a district man, even when you're a district or council, a local district man or a councilman, when you go to your little city hall meeting, you still find about the little developments going in you still meeting contractors. you still meeting special interest groups. You're not getting to pay a lot for it, but you're getting a lot of information. You see? And then if, you, if you're one of, one of the charismatic people who can deliver your district, but also can reach across other districts and work, there's some pork barrel funding in that for you also. So this pork barrel thing is just not... It's just not executive level a federal level. It's throughout the whole system. Everything is about what have you done for me lately or what can you do for me lately? (laughs) All right, I'm going to let y'all go. I am going to take over another of y'all time. I hope y'all enjoyed that little thing on pork barrel spending, pork barrel politics. You know, go back there and let's do a little bit more, find out, find out, you know, listen to some things that you may have missed. But, uh, I learned, I actually learned, so I learned about pork Barrel politics in my American government class when I was in 11th grade at American government class. And, um, uh, I won, I won my, uh, I was a president, actually. We had an election. You know, I was, my party was called the Wings. And uh, I won the election for my political party. And this is one of the things that I, was, I learned. I got interested in pork barrel politics back then. It was very interesting to me. So, but hey, look, I'm going to get out of here. Y'all get an opportunity. You want to check out this Aladino Robusto? Go to your local cigar spot. Always go to your local cigar spot first. If they ain't got it, then you go online to see I host or somewhere like that. But I don't think CI hosts have this stick here. You may have to go to uh Corona, Corona Cigars. I know you can find that Corona Cigars. But I know my local cigar spot, I know Rod, he's got this here stick here. All right. But well, look here, like I tell y'all in closing always out there, y'all take care of everybody. But more importantly, y'all take care of yourself first. All right now.